Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, now, do you, do you all know what Hosanna means? It's a little pop quiz. Yes, ma'am. No, you can't look it up. No. Do you know what Hosanna means? We're singing it. Hosanna. It means save us now. Amen. And we're going to find out that's what they sang and shouted out on Palm Sunday. And we're going to find out the meaning of Palm Sunday so you all can be educated and know what we're doing here in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Because I spent all week studying and researching this so that I know. So now I think I'm all that. And <laughs> give pop quizzes to everybody, you know. Grab people on the street. Do you know what Hosanna means? You know. So get out of my face. No. <laughs> so we're excited because this is Palm Sunday. Next week is what? Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day, when Jesus resurrects from the dead, and that's our whole crutch of Christianity. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we, won't have, we wouldn't have a religion, because, because he rose, so we will rise too, amen? So death has no more sting on us, amen? We don't have to worry about, in fact, we can look forward to death, because what's happening after is the resurrection of life. We get to see him face to face in all of his glory, and we will be like him. Oh, my gosh. No more, Pastor Chuck. Now I'm going to be a glorified Pastor Chuck. <laughs> good thoughts, good, good vibes, good spirit, and one, and one with him. Amen? Of course, I know all you guys have already arrived and you don't ever have any problems or any situations that you're facing. Okay, well, I'm just going to preach anyway. So on next week, I wanted to invite someone that was really dear to uh, my wife and I's heart as a singer, uh, Carla Torrance. And she's, uh, she used to sing a lot, and she still sings. And it's good to know that you're still in ministry after all these years. Amen. Amen. So I wanted, her, I wanted you to meet her. So Carla, if you would come up here for a minute. I'm going to give you the mic. I'm going to talk to you a little bit. Okay. You can look at the camera here. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> all of our friends from this one, all of our friends from Confirmed Word are going to be watching you and looking at you. Yeah. And uh, you're going to be singing next week, right? Yes. Okay. So you have your songs picked out? Yes. Yeah. And, and you're going to sing like you usually do? Good. <laughs> I hope so. Okay, I hope so. <laughs> Could you give us a little taste of, of something that you might sing, like, give us a taste. What? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong, they are weak but he is strong. How about that? <laughs> Amen. One more time. Well, you got you to gotta come back next week to hear the whole thing. <laughs> and some other songs. Amen. Ron was practicing with them uh, this morning, and so we're excited to have her sing and just bless us. Amen? Amen. Well, let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you that as this message goes forth, it'll bless your people, that they'll receive it in their hearts and know what Palm Sunday is all about and what you have in store for us in this life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. So we're celebrating this week Palm Sunday, but as my son was saying, 
in the Jewish day, when Christ was coming, they were celebrating Passover. Passover was celebrating when Jesus took the, uh, when God took the children of Israel out of Egypt, through the wilderness, into the promised land. It was a glorious day. And so they celebrated every year over the years, and it was a highlight of the Jewish tradition. It was uh, uh, something that people came from all over the lands. In fact, historians say there was 125,000 people in that little town of Jerusalem to celebrate. Amen? So they came in, and, and they wanted to see Jesus. Why? Jesus was like his fame was going abroad. I mean, he was healing the sick. He was uh, casting out demons. He was raising the dead. He was walking on water. He was multiplying the loaves and fishes. We got to see this Jesus. Amen. He was the rock star of the time. They wanted to see him, look at him, see what it was all about. So they came in to see what he was doing. And they, were, they brought palm branches that Sunday, and they put them down, or they were actually waving them. They put their cloaks down because the cloaks were showing that they were recognizing, recognizing him as deity, but they also were waving the palm branches because it was a sign of victory that they had instituted a hundred years before. Whenever a general came in and had conquered a foreign nation, they came in in the city at home, and they were waving the palm branches. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. And so what they were doing is they were expecting Jesus to deliver them as well. They thought he was going to give them a military victory and tell the Romans, you know, you need to get out of here because we have now arrived. Jesus is here. Our conqueror is here, and we are going to have victory. That's what they thought. Amen? So his uh, approval ratings were pretty high at that time. Amen? They all loved him. Now, the video, the movies try to show uh, Jesus coming into town, and they, uh, Sister Leanne, they didn't have enough extras to fill the tens of thousands of people that were in the streets, you know. They just get a few people, and they got him together. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, they had, uh, when they did Ben-Hur, and they had all these men that were running up the hill, what they didn't realize, they hired USC people, and they had watches on. And as they're going up this, they said, what are you boys doing wearing your watch? But anyway, they, they had to cut that part out. So, so let's look at the account in John chapter 12. He's talking about this right here. It says, the next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. They took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Now, this is a direct quote from Psalms 118, verses 25 through 26. They all knew that a, a Messiah was coming, the King was coming, and so they were shouting it out. Now, they didn't have PowerPoint. They didn't have a hymnal. They didn't have a Bible. They were just all... Ch uh, chiming in and crying out. Can you imagine thousands of people crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, here comes the king. I mean, Jesus could have got a little puffed up, couldn't he? He could have been like saying, whoa, whoa, whoa I have arrived, amen. So, <laughs> but the next verse in verse 14, Jesus, though he found a donkey, sat on it as it is written in Zechariah 9.9, fear not, daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. They said, wait a minute, how could this be? We have a king coming. He's supposed to come in in a white horse with all the, you know, saddles and the 
diamonds and everything, just, and with the sword and looking big and victorious. But he came on a little donkey, you know, a little foil of, of a donkey. He'd never been ridden by anything. You know, low, low. They're going like, what is going on here? They couldn't figure it out. His, in, in verse 16, it says, his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered the things that were written about him and that they had done these things to him. How many times has God done some things in your life and you wonder, is that the right thing? God, why, why didn't I get that job? Why didn't I get that house? Why didn't I get that wife or daughter or you know, husband? All these things that you wish you would have had, but God knew how to put you in the place that you were supposed to be. I can remember my wife was looking for a job. She wanted to transfer to Baldwin Park, uh, closer to home. She thought that that would be a good thing to do. Well, the lady really received her well, loved her and everything, hugged her and said, okay, well, we'll talk to you later. No answer. Didn't call her back. Marianne was wondering, what, what was that all about, you know? She was so happy uh, in the interview, but then she didn't give her an offer. Come to find out as we look back, that would have been the wrong place to be. Because she would have to come into work every day, 8.30, which is near impossible. <laughs> Glory, hallelujah. Jesus set me free. And she'd have to sit right next to the boss, who was real persnickety. You guys know what that is, persnickety? You know, a little detail about everything, you know, watching you. And, and that would not have worked. It was a real small office. And she'd have to be there every day, 8.30. What she didn't realize is that when she was at her job after the pandemic, she didn't have to go into work. She could stay at home and work and get to work at 9.30, 10, whatever time, you know, she felt like coming in. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Don't let this tape get to her. Praise, praise God. And <laughs> not only that, but she'd come in at 9.30 and 10 and then go to the cafeteria to have something to eat first before she went to work. And, and to make matters even worse than that, uh, Pastor Chuck had to drive her into Pasadena so that she could be on time. Glory to God. And then he would have breakfast with her, and then she would take the train back, and I would meet her there and bring her back. But all this would not have happened if, we ha if she would have gotten that job that she thought she really needed. How about a husband or a wife you thought, Oh, if I could just marry this person. Oh, he's so sweet. Oh, he's so handsome. He's so nice. She's so wonderful. And then after two or three years, you look back and go, oh, man, I'm glad I didn't do that. Amen? <laughs> I know at Marianne's reunion one time, uh, her best friend married the high school quarterback. I mean, that's the sought-out guy, right? And she loved this guy. She idolized him. She thought he was everything that cats me out. And so we went to the reunion, and Marianne told me about this. So I asked her, did your, did your dreams come true? Was it real life? Was it all that? And she looked at I go, are you happy that you married him? And she gave me this face like, yeah, you know, like no big deal. And so the things that you really want, sometimes God prevents you from having them because he has something better for you. And when you look back in your life, you go like, oh, I see how he directed me to the place where I'm supposed to be. So they didn't realize what was going on. They thought, we were supposed to conquer. We're supposed to, you know, put the Romans down and get them out of town. But in verse 17, therefore, the people who were with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb, raised him from the dead, bore witness. They were all there. They wanted to see Lazarus. They wanted to see Jesus. This is a great celebration. For this reason, the people met him because they heard that he had done this sign. But now, 
So the last week of Jesus' life, his, his approval ratings were really high. You know, presidents go by approval ratings, whether, you know, what they do or what they don't do, and it fluctuates up and down depending on how good they're doing. The people vote and decide how great or how not great they are. So Jesus' approval ratings went down in five days. He, they went from Hosanna to the king to crucify him, crucify him. That's terrible, isn't it? It is. How quickly the crowd changed in the last week of his life. Because the people were doing two things. They were crying out Hosanna, and they were putting their cloaks down and waving the palm trees, and they thought, oh, this is great. We're going to celebrate. The, as as uh, Moses delivered us out of Pharaoh and from Egypt, that they had served for 430 years, truly the Messiah is going to come and deliver us. But the Jewish priests and the, high, uh, and the Jewish leaders were a little nervous because they thought, well, when Jesus comes, it's going to cause an uprising and an uproar, and the people are going to rebel, and there's going to be a fight, and the Roman soldiers are going to get upset and, and, and be violent and try to put down the uproar. So they were uh, worried about this. Uh, so everybody's excited to see Jesus. So let's look. Let's take a look at it on a video, and let's see how they recreated it. And like I tell you, they couldn't get enough extras, but what they have, here it comes. Is this Jesus of Nazareth? He's a prophet, a great prophet. A prophet? On a donkey? Well, seemingly, things could not be better for Jesus, right, when he came into town. But five days later, everything turned around. You see the ups and downs of his approval ratings? On Sunday, he's the Savior that they had been looking for. On Friday, he was the guy that they wanted to die on the cross. On Sunday, they worshipped him and called him king. On Friday, they washed their hands of him and wanted nothing to do with him. 
On Sunday, they were running to him. On Sunday, they were running away from him and abandoning him. Now, before you think, what a fickle and fair weather and faithless people they are, let us remind us of our own lives in the Lord. Sometimes things are going so good with the Lord, you're just so happy to come to church and praise the Lord and give Him all the glory. And there's other times where you just can barely make it, and you don't want to pray, you don't want to worship Him, because you wonder, why does a God that can do all things not answer in your prayers? Can I get an amen? amen. It's hard to praise God when you're, when you're praying to Him and you're not seeing the results of your prayer. How can an all-loving God, a God that can do all things, not act in your behalf, not move in the way that you want Him to move? What... I can tell you from personal experience, it puts a damper on your praise, but you have to fight through it and know I need to praise the one that can deliver me, even though I don't see it right away, even though it doesn't look like it's going to happen. I have to know that his promises are true. the, The quote from Job was, you know, he had boils for 40 chapters in his Bible, in the Bible, and he was there and his wife said, you know, you need to just curse God and die. And he said, woman, what's wrong with you? He said, even though he slay me, I will serve him. No matter what you're going through, maybe it's too long for you, but God says, I will make good on my promises. What about David when uh, he had his first son with Bathsheba out of wedlock? And God said, you know what? He can't live because this is going to be a disgrace to you and me, so he must die. But David said, I'm going to call on the mercies of the Lord. So he went in and he prayed and he fasted for a week or so, and then he sensed that his servants were seeing, oh, the child died. And so he said, did the child die? And they said, yes. So what did David do? Did he cry, complain, and kick, buck, kick things? No. He, he washed his face, he went into the sanctuary, and he worshiped God. Can you do that when things aren't going right for you, when things are not exactly the way you want? Do you still keep, you know, ministering and doing the things that you're supposed to do? When people have a need, are you there to fill it? I was talking with Carla before that we were in that community center for 13 years. That's a long time, amen? <laughs> Not knowing when God was going to do it, but knowing that he would, that he would, he would vindicate us and, and glorify us, amen? So we have to know that God is working in our hearts, even though uh, working for us, even when he's working in our hearts. So now I want to show you something, that uh, the reason why they were so upset was because he wasn't doing the things that they wanted him to do. They were looking for God to do, or Jesus to do the miracles that, they used to, that he used to do. Raising the dead, turning the water into wine, multiplying the loaves and the fishes. They wanted to see those kinds of miracles. And, and this was the time when he could do it. He had center stage. Everybody was watching him. All of Jerusalem was there. He could have proved himself, say, I'm God and watch this. Amen. But you know what? He did no miracles during that week. For five days, he did no miracles. He, no, the eyes of the blind weren't open. The deaf didn't get their hearing. No lame men uh, began to walk. No lepers were healed. In fact, he did the opposite. He criticized the Pharisees. He cleared the temple of them. He, 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 he drove out all the merchants. This is not a way to get popularity. Is it? No. In Matthew chapter 23, he pronounces seven woes to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And here's what he calls them, Mr. Polite Jesus. He called them hypocrites because they taught one thing but were doing another. 
Uh, we don't have anybody like that here, do we? Absolutely not. What we tell people that we do or what's in the Bible, we do exactly what the Bible says. Amen? Can I get an amen? Okay. He called them, listen to this, children of hell. Ooh. This is not a way to win their favor, is it? He called them fools and blind guides. He said, you're like tombs that are painted over white. You look good on the outside, but the inside is dead man's bones. What he was saying is, you, on the outside, you look righteous. You come to church, you got your Bible, and you look real good. But he said, in the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Hmm. He says, you're snakes. You're brood of vipers. Who will escape being, who, you can't even escape being condemned to hell. This is not a way to gain popularity, is it? But he didn't, he didn't hold back. But this uh, uh, caused the Pharisees to want to kill him and get him out of the picture because he was ruining their gig. You know, it's amazing. You see in the news, people come against uh, things that are happening because of their religious stance, and they get fired, they get sued, they get looked down upon, and they're standing up and just doing the things that they're supposed to do with the Bible says. We have to have that strong backbone to be able to do that. Amen? So he, cleaned, he cleared the temple of the money changers and said, my father's house should be a house of prayer, but you have called it and made it a den of thieves. Huh. No wonder why they killed him. Amen? So, uh, he, but, but, but Jesus actually told him what was going to happen. He predicted what was going to happen. Let's look at it here in John 12, 24. He said, but most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. You are the much grain. Amen? He had to die. He had to be sacrificed. He had to give his life as a ransom so that we could have life, so that we could walk around and have that same life that Jesus has right now because he was the fulfillment of the law. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We can speak to things and cause things to happen in our life. Amen? We have the power to speak. Now, I listen to some, you know, teachers and, and preachers, and they're afraid to say that. They, oh, no, you can't say that. You know, you, you can't move the hands of God. It's God's sovereign will, whatever he wants. But God is looking to us and wanting us to speak out. Remember Moses got to the Red Sea, and he tells the children of Israel, watch and see. The Lord is going to deliver us. He is our salvation. Let's sing the song. And what did God say? Moses, would you stretch forth your rod? Because we need to get across. God couldn't move until Moses did something. Amen? God can't move into our lives or move in our lives until we speak it and cause it to happen. And sometimes it's just not one time that you say it. You have to keep continuing saying it over and over and over again. I wish it wasn't that way. I could say just speak it once and it'll happen. It doesn't happen that way. Sometimes it does. But if it doesn't, you still have to know that the word of God will not return to you void. That it will accomplish that which he pleases and it will perform that which he has said it to do. Amen? Amen. So we are, uh, we are Jesus to the world. Did you know that? Our, the, what did Paul say? Follow me as I follow Christ. Could you tell your neighbor that? Just follow me. Just do what I do. Watch me. And as I do things, you know, you, you just do the same thing. We have to do that with our children, don't we? How do we teach them how to trust in the Lord? He ha they have to see us bow our knee, bow our heart to the Lord, asking for help when we don't know where our help is going to come from.
and then watch God come supernaturally and manifest uh, a provision or a healing for you. And then they understand, oh, I see, Mom and Dad, that's what you do. So when I get in trouble, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do just like you. That's how you teach your children how to trust in the Lord. Praise the Lord. So we are Jesus to other people around, in your job, in your neighborhood. You know, we go out of our way like the other day. I don't want to brag or anything, but <laughs> praise the Lord. the Lord. The Lord puts it in your heart to do these things, right? And you feel so good about it. But my neighbor's lawn, they had gophers, and so they didn't mow their lawn, and they were just letting the, gra- the weeds grow up. I mean, almost like <laughs> knee-high. I'm going, <laughs> and I, I'm on good report with them. I said, uh, I, I, got a, I got a lawnmower from my brother Bob, uh, and, and uh, I, I can mow that for you. And they said, oh, that would be so nice. So I got in there, and I mowed it, and I found out that the weeds were lower than the blades, so I had to get in there, dig the weeds out, and, and clear it all up, and it looked good, and I was proud, and I watered it, and I was so happy. And she said, you are so awesome. You guys are, are wonderful to us, because we always give them, you know, presents for their kids. And, and it's being, being a, a light to them. We are the light of the world. Now, Jesus said, I, let's look at it in John 9, 5. He said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Didn't Jesus declare that? I'm here. I'm the light. We're in darkness. But then he says in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, you are the light of the world. What? His light comes into us. Now we're the light. Are you letting your light shine? Is it going out? Don't go out with Richard Espinosa. I'm telling you that much right now, unless you're prepared to meet everybody in every restaurant, every store you go to, getting their whole story. He walks in. He doesn't just calmly, meekly walk in. He opens the door. Praise the Lord, everyone. So good to be here. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Talks to people. How are you doing? Good. God is good. You know God is good. The army man, so thank you for your service. We're so glad that you did that. And he said, let me show you my, my bullet wound, the, the guy, the army guy. does. So he's showing his bullet wound, and I'm going like, please, okay? I'm just going to eat my pancakes and just be happy, you know? He's pulling out the cards and everything. And I go, praise the Lord. We have laborers in the field, right? You are the light. So wherever you go, you shine your light. Are you hiding it under a bushel or a basket? We're supposed to be lighthouses for the Lord. Now, this song, Carla, I know we all sing it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Ah, wrong. No little light. We have a big light, amen? We have a <laughs> glorious light, amen? The light of the world, the light of, that created all of creation is on the inside of us. We have to let it out, Amen? Be happy. What are you so happy about? I know the Lord. Glory to God. You don't know what kind of witness you can be. I was at the doctor's office. I had something in my eye. I asked them to take it out. They did. And so I always ask, you know, do you go to church? You know, do you love the Lord? What, do you know if you're going to heaven or not? And so she said, well, I, I didn't used to go to heaven. But somebody asked me that same thing a while back. I was in a bank, and they asked me, do I go to church? And I said, no, I don't go to church. And he took out his own personal Bible that had all the markings in it, and he gave it to her and said, here, you can read my Bible, and then when you go to church, you can take it with you. She left it on her bedstand for seven years. That's a long time, isn't it? That's a seed that was like dormant for a while, (laughs) 
But she said finally when she got into trouble and she needed some help, she went there and turned in the Bible. Find the marks that he made. He, she started reading his commentary, started following the Bible, and now she's going to church. Amen? So you never know what seed you're going to plant. I know I tell the story when I got saved. Uh, this, before I got saved, I used to work at a, at a market, and this lady used to come uh, into the store, and she had this Pollyanna voice. You know what a Pollyanna voice is? Oh, hi, so sweet. God is so good, you know. He has a plan for you. I go, lady, if you knew what my plan was this weekend, God is not in any of those plans. But she was persistent. She was loving. She was kind. And I said, I, I want that same spirit that's on the inside of her. Not anything else, but her spirit. It was so, so genuine, so loving. I said, that's, that, if that could be in me, oh, I, I would be great. And so I finally, after a series of events, losing everything, hallelujah, <laughs> my house, my car, my clothes, my job. Anyway, <laughs> truly born again, <laughs> I said, Lord, if you can do anything with my life now, you can have it. Well, that wasn't much of an offer. I didn't have anything. <laughs> and, but he came and he flooded me with his spirit into my soul, and I said, oh, I belong to you, you belong to me. And from that mo moment on, 40 years ago, I've never stopped uh, serving him and loving him. But I never did get a chance to s tell the girl that, you know, she made a difference in my life. So I got to wait to, you know, my dying day, and I get up into heaven, and then I'm going to look for that girl. I'm sure the Lord knows who, you know, ministered to who. And so hopefully she'd be waiting there, and I can thank her, and I can give her a hug and just say, praise God. So you are the light of the world. Now, the Apostle Paul explained it this way, and looking back as it was when he said in Ephesians 1, 18 and 19, are you ready? The, uh, he was praying this for us. He said, the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of your calling. Do you know what the hope of your calling is? Are your eyes open? Do you know what you're supposed to be doing? Are you happy doing what you're doing? Or do you need to find something that is more fulfilling and doing the will of the Lord? Praise the Lord. It's not your job. It's what you're doing in your heart, how you're reaching people, what you're doing for them, working in children's church, uh, you know, doing anything that you can, even ushering, uh, welcoming people at the door, fixing food. Brother Bob uh, Lopez says, man, he says, I get excited just to be able to serve the people when we have the outreaches and the food comes by, and I put that food in there, and I said, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And, and so whatever you do as a service, Jesus, what did Jesus say? I did not come to be served, but to serve. But we want to be served, you know. Go to church. Well, I don't know. I didn't like the music today. It's it too, too hot, you know, too cold. <laughs> too, service too long, you know. We, I had to sit next to so-and-so, and that was, geez, that was terrible. No. We can't be moved. Yeah, you can hug the person next to you. It's okay. <laughs> we have to get an understanding. Eyes of understanding, being enlightened, the spiritual eyes being enlightened to know what is the hope of our calling. We're not just mere men and mere women here. We're soldiers in the army of the Lord. We're here to do things, to proclaim and to uh, move ahead the kingdom of God. Amen. We're not just bumps on the log. We're not just here, sit, you know, uh, 
taking up time until the Lord comes. He said, I want you to occupy till I come. Do business till I come. Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. This is a business. This is a spiritual business that God has called us to do. We need to sign up, enlist in the army of the Lord. Praise the Lord. So we need to know what is the hope of your calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Riches. He wants to shower riches upon us. He wants us to be blessed. He says, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. He wants us to do well. Don't you want your kids to do well? How much more does Jesus and the Lord? And he says, that you may know what is the exceeding greatness of his power, exceeding beyond what you can ask or think, exceeding greatness of his power to those who believe, according to the working of his mighty power on the inside of us. Now, how do we get that power on the inside of us? We pray we meditate, we spend time with God, we read his word, we confess his word, we call, we beg, not, not beg in a begging way, but presenting yourself to the Lord, asking him to fill you and, and to, to move in your heart. And it's, it, it, you have to press through. It's not a casual thing like, well, Lord, it'd be good if you just came, kind of came by, you know, just visit me. And, no, he doesn't want to visit. He wants to inhabit. He wants to dwell. He wants to possess. He wants to overflow in you. Amen. So he says, you want to know, you want, he wants to know the exceeding greatness of, of his power according to the working of his mighty power, and which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The same spirit that was in Christ that rose up from the dead is the same spirit that's alive in you to raise up your finances, your situations, your health, your body, whatever you need. That same spirit is on the inside of us, Amen. We're walking and talking with Jesus and the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. How great is that? So that we can speak to things. Amen? The same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead can resurrect your own body. Praise the Lord. We have power and authority. We can speak to things and command things to happen. Oh, no, don't do that, Pastor Chuck. You know, you never know. See, I, I don't know if you know this, but uh, on Sundays, I like it to be sunny. I don't know. Do you like it to be sunny? I like it to be sunny. Amen. Do you come to church anyway? Yeah, but it's nice. I tell them, Lord, this is your day, and I command the rain to not come on Sunday. Amen? Why are you doing that? Because I have power and authority to speak to the weather. Jesus spoke to the sea. Didn't he? he said, peace, be still. He rebuked the devil, and he said, you cannot cause turmoil here because we are going to the other side. Praise the Lord. Are you going to the other side? Yes. You've got to speak to that mountain that's in your way. Amen. Get excited about that. Amen? So we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen? I know when I took a job for farmer's insurance, and I was an auto adjuster, body and auto and body adjuster, and I knew nothing about that. But I needed a job. And I came in really kind of, oh, yeah, I can do that. That's no problem. <laughs> Little did I know. <laughs> so I, he said, that the supervisor says, you don't want this job. I go, really? He goes, no. Look, go back there and look at those guys that are there. There's three guys. And they all were like crazed, okay? One guy was smoking, and he was all nervous and everything, talking to people on the phone. I go, no, I don't like that guy. They had one guy that was yelling on the phone, like, oh, yeah, well, you got to do this, and you, you just have to do that, okay? And I go, I don't know if I want to be that. And then this one guy was pacing up and down, you know, going, talking to himself. 
And I said, hmm, I need a job, okay? <laughs> I need a J-O-B. So I said, I can do it. But I said, Jesus, you need to be with me as I do this. You need to be, do it as if I was, you were doing it through me. It's not what would Jesus do. It's what would Jesus do in, on the inside of you to do the work that you're supposed to do. So I saw great miracles happen that I was able to not get so frantic and not be like those because Jesus was with me. Is Jesus with you? The Bible says all the promises of God in him are what? Maybe, don't know. It depends on how I feel. You know, just depends on maybe you're living a good life, maybe you're not. No, all the promises of God are what? Yay and amen. We have to count and believe in that. And don't be frustrated when things aren't moving as quickly as you, as you want them to. Like the people that were there, they had no understanding of what Jesus was doing. He was coming to save them, not from the Romans, but from their sin, right? He came to deliver them. Not from what they were going through. Let me see. I have, I have a nice little saying here. If I can find it, maybe I'm not. Maybe I left it over there. You guys can fill in the blanks, right? No. <laughs> uh, okay, let's see if we can find it here real quick. All right. I may not find it. Nope, can't find it. You have to fill it out. You fill it in the blanks yourself. <laughs> he came to save us from sin, is he not? He came to deliver us from our own ways because he is the Lord over all. And as you give yourself to him, he will do great and mighty things in your, in your behalf. Amen? Let's pray.